had kind of a spiritual moment. You know, I cried out to a God I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, God, I believe you're real. And if you are, I need you to help me. I said, look at my life. I made a mess of myself. I'm a drug addict. I don't want to be. I've tried to quit. I don't know how. Mm -hmm. And um, I said, I believe I can have a better life. I just don't know how to get there. Welcome to the La Jolla Local Podcast. I am Morgan King, your host, and I'm passionate about creating connection. Here on this podcast, we will dive into the stories and the lessons learned from local La Jolla business owners and citizens, as I believe that we all have our own story to tell. And what good are our experiences if we don't share them with others? My goal is to inspire you and share the lessons that others have learned while connecting us closer together as a community. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the La Jolla Local. I am Morgan King, your host, and we are shifting gears back into your regularly scheduled program. And I'm so excited to share with you this next interview that I did with Billy Borgia. He is the operating partner of three Orange Theory Fitnesses here in the San Diego area. And he's also the founder and CEO of Vibeflow Yoga. And so majority of you probably have heard of Orange Theory Fitness at one time or another. If you haven't, I highly recommend you check it out. Um, he has three studios, as I mentioned. Um, there's beautiful one right off Gerard. There's one in UTC. And if you go to the class, it's one of those things that's so intense, but also has this great sense of community. And I do the whole like weigh myself after the class, uh, hop on the scale thinking that I've lost five pounds. It's seriously an intense workout. So check it out if you haven't. Um, in addition, he has another venture called Vibe Flow Yoga. And this is a 50-minute class that uses the whole body vibration. It has tons of benefits. I mean, I'll, I'll name a few here. We talk about it a little bit more on the podcast. Um, increasing mental clarity, awareness, improves balance and coordination, helps reduce joint and back pain, strengthens and tones your body. And then during the workout, they also have this exclusive audio system that takes you on this voice and music journey. And it just allows you to tune out all the outside distractions of life and be able to focus more on yourself. So how amazing does that sound? Um, in addition to that, he is married with three children. He's been a successful business owner of multiple businesses over the past 20 years. He's a public speaker on leadership, faith, and success. And so as you can tell, based on all of Billy's accomplishments that I've noted off here, I'm sure it's no surprise to you when I say that when I met him, he has this infectious energy and just total charisma for life. Um, from our first meeting, I knew I would have a lot to learn from him. And through our discussions, he was just so willing to share, opening up, um, being vulnerable, and then having tons of learnings. Um, to share with me and now with all of you on the episode. And it hasn't always been an easy road for him. Um, he has shown how you can overcome adversity and truly come out the other side stronger and as a better version of you. So listen in to hear more about Billy's path to success, the two pivotal challenges he faced that grew him into the amazing person he is today, and his take on the importance of relationships. Enjoy. Okay, cool. Thanks, Billy, for being here with Jamie and I today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. How's your morning going so far? Morning's going well. So we just heard you did a class where? At Orange Theory Fitness. <laughs> you have some sort of connection to that, right? I do. I do. Yeah, I love the workout. <laughs> so I actually was introduced to you through Eric, who I've decided knows everybody in La Jolla. He's hopefully going to be on the podcast here someday soon. Um 
But one of the things I wanted to start off by saying is you probably don't know this, but I had two appointments scheduled at 2 and 2.30 and we met at one o'clock and I was so engaged in our conversation and what you had to say that the next, when we finished, I looked down at my clock and it was three o'clock. So I missed two appointments that day (laughs) and didn't even realize it because we like went, we went after it. We sure did. We sure did. Wow. Time flew by too as well. Yeah. And I feel like you just had so many good nuggets to say, um, and a lot of it relation to your life story. So let's start there. Cool. Um, talk about like, if you want to go all the way back to upbringing, however you want to start, let's talk about Billy. Sure. I can do that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, wow. So grew up in San Diego. Yep. Um, native. Native. Well, native San Diego since I was four. Right. Okay. And right. so, um, Youngest of six kids. My father was in the military, so he ended up landing here in San Diego and retiring. So I was four years old. So I've been here most of my life. Um, yeah. I, I mentioned the youngest of six. And what was it, that like? Uh, it was interesting. Yeah. It was interesting because we lived in a small house. So okay. it was three girls in one room and three boys in another room had the bunk beds okay. going on. Yep. So yeah, that was interesting. But you know, it's <laughs> tight quarters. Right. You right. know your brothers and sisters. We do. We do. But here's the cool thing, though. Looking back at my mom, you know, she took care of all six of us while my dad was deployed. Yep. Um, wow. But we had a regiment, you know, being in the military. But we would wake up, breakfast was ready, brown bag lunches were, were lined up on the counter. Okay. And we got up, we did our ritual. We made our bed, we got ready, we ate breakfast, we were out the door with our brown bag going, going to school. And we did that over and over and over again for, for years until my siblings moved out. Then it was just me. Okay. What, what uh, age range? Like how long were you alone a lot after your brothers and sisters moved out? You know or? what? Yeah. Yes. I mean, there was a period there where my, my youngest sister and mm-hmm. we're like two years apart. It was okay. just her and I for okay. a while. And then yep. she eventually moved out. But by then I was already in high school. Okay. Yeah. So I can kind of relate to that. Not, I mean, I had three older sisters and I was the youngest and there was a period of time when it was just me. And it's so weird when you're used to that chaos and then it's gone. Right. You're kind of like, okay, now what? Exactly. Now yeah. it's just me. Yeah. Here's the funny thing. The kind of the running joke with my family was that um, we tell everybody, yeah, Billy was raised by four women, my mom and my three sisters, because my brothers are always gone doing stuff. Okay. And I said, that's right. I grew up reading Vogue, Cosmo, Mademoiselle, Elle, you <laughs> name it. All the women, girl magazines were there. So yeah. I would just go through them and so read them. So you knew more about women, more than most men. More than most boys. <laughs> yeah, boys. Know. Yeah. <laughs> Probably, especially Cosmo. Right? Some of the articles are like, yeah. you're like, what? Yeah, yeah. so uh, that was uh, pretty interesting. <laughs> That's awesome. So then you are the youngest in your family, went off to college? Did not. Did not go off to college. Um, went right into the workforce. Yep. Out of high school. My brother had a business, went working for him. My sister had a business, worked for her as well. Kind of tagged, actually worked for her business first mm-hmm. um, and then went working for my brother's business. And, and what was that? So my sister's business had a company called um, Superior Stone. They would um, go to homes, usually high-end homes or resorts, okay. and they would lay down these pebble stones like on pool decks and oh, car yeah. driveways and stuff. Totally. Really big. I'm going to date myself. Not really big in the late 80s. Okay. Right? Yeah. And so, um, so I did that for a while. He looks like he's 30 if you haven't seen what he looks like. So Bless that was you. good to, <laughs> and good I to act, And I act like it too. Yeah. So um, <laughs> sorry if that offends anybody if you're 30. It's all in good fun. Um but uh, so we would do, you know, we do all throughout Southern California, San Diego, Orange County, LA, um, a lot of a lot of stuff in like um, 
Palm Desert, Palm Springs okay. during that time. Yep. Um, and then segued into my brother's business, which was uh, industrial coatings for Department of Defense work. Okay. And so he trained me how to be a painter. And then I, I kind of moved up the ranks really fast and became a German painter, you know, in my mid 20s. Wow. So, so you just dove in. Dove in. You were like, I'm going to work for my, my siblings. Right. And I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure it out. Okay. Yeah. And then when you were 22, right? Yep. Something happened mm-hmm. to you, um, which I thought was like the kind of catapult into the Billy that I've come to know in that period of time where we met for coffee. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So um, I was struggling with my addiction, drug addiction mm-hmm. at that time. Uh, in fact, uh, I was introduced to drugs at a young age. No child should be introduced. Nobody, period, should be. But I was yeah. introduced to ju- drugs at age 10. Okay, wow. And uh, that sent me on a path of destruction for about 11 years. Right. It wasn't until my early 20s okay. that I just kind of, you know, was facing reality, looking at my life at 22. Um, And at that time, I was uh, addicted to crystal meth. Okay. And so give some perspective, I weighed like 122 pounds. Wow. And um, I just remember looking at my reflection on this glass coffee table, and I just started crying. Mm -hmm. I just started crying. I looked at myself. And um, I said, I don't want to be a drug addict. I don't want to go to jail. and I don't want to die. But I cannot continue to live my life like this. Would you please help me? And then a series of circumstances began to happen mm-hmm. over the course of the next six months to a year. Mm-hmm. Found myself in a detox, mm-hmm. got myself a bed on, uh, in a two-week detox and got in there and um, called my brother at the time and said, hey, I need you to come get my truck. And he said, why are you okay? And I said, no, I'm, I can't do this anymore. I'm going into a detox. They had a bed for me and I, I got to do this. Wow. And so that started my journey of, of, of um, breaking free from, my, from that addiction. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, oh my gosh, 10 years old. It's like, especially during that period of life, I feel like when I look back from like, I mean, I don't really remember a ton about 10, but 10 to 21, that was like such a um, emotionally and like hormonal and yeah. like, what is life kind of a time you're still like, life isn't too serious. And um, it's a little bit more lighthearted, but in your situation, like having to deal with that, I can't, I mean, I can't even process it, but then coming to a point in life where you knew that you just couldn't take anymore and like the intuition inside of you was like, I'm not alone and I need to reach out to a higher power, whatever that is, you know, and like whatever you believe in and then being open and aware enough to see the unfolding of the answers come to you. Because a lot of times too, I think it's like, I mean, I do it a lot. I'll ask for help and just almost I refer to it as a surrendering and just trusting that like I can't do this on my own anymore but then also being open and aware to how it unfolds because you could have been like help me and then waited for someone to knock on your door and be like all right Billy we're gonna take you to detox and figure it out but you then outsourced and figured it out on your own um I don't know I just commend you for that because I can't imagine being in that space and having that lengthy period of addiction and then just realizing like this isn't going to serve me anymore and then taking the steps to better your life which you have 10 million fold um so what would you say like i mean there's so many learnings from that experience for you i'm sure it is like a pivotal moment in your life is there anything that stands out to you in particular that you just recognize in that moment that you've taken with you as you've yes found your success absolutely great question um Life, regardless of what circumstance you're in, requires action. Mm-hmm. It does. Mm-hmm. And so although uh, something triggered me to cry out to God at that point, mm-hmm. it still required action. It required me to uh, do research 
and find and, and, and then to be able to find this detox center that I, did, I didn't know existed. Right. And then be able to pick up the phone and call them. Right. And, and, and be persistent in that. I was fighting for sobriety. I was fighting to be to to be set free from that stronghold, being in bondage to my addiction. Mm-hmm. And so it requires action. And to this day, that that is that is a that is a, a a principle, if you will, in life, but not only in life, but as an entrepreneur in business, it requires mm-hmm. action. Mm-hmm. And so, especially in leadership, right? Yeah. No one leads steady still. Right. I mean, there's moments where you have to just hit the pause button, but leadership requires action. So for me to take personal ownership of my addiction, yeah, and then take action, yeah. so what that's that's my takeaway. That's so true. And you, I mean, you do leadership. We'll get to that in a second when we talk about your business. Yeah, I wanted to say is I feel like um, in those moments where you ask for help from something, and when you actually do take action, the the thing that I found in my life is that there's less resistance then. Whereas like. Mm. When you're going around and you're like, maybe you're like, I need to get out of this. I need to get out of this. I need to get out of this. But when you actually sat down, like, help me, I need to get out of this. And then like, maybe, you know, you call the detox center and it's like, oh, there's a bed open today. Or, you know, like, I just feel like things like in my experience, whenever I've reached that like pivotal moment in my life where I'm like, I need help. It's like things just start like opening up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's right. It, you it, still have to take action, but there's just like there's less resistance. And you know what? You're taking inspired action. It's not like you were like, OK, now what do I do? You yeah. knew the steps you had to take. Right. And Maybe you're just more aware, like you're you're open to it. So you're seeing, oh, there is yeah. a detox center. Oh, I should call that. Yeah. Or like whether it's a business business idea you have. And you're like, oh, wow, I just met somebody that you know, has ideas on this or has experience in this. It's just, it's amazing. Like when you actually like release control. Yeah. 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 You know, actually, thank you for that. It's great. How I discovered about the detox center is someone I knew relationship, right? Someone I knew, knew about this center and told me about it, but it still, it wasn't like he, he made the call for me and did the work for me. He told me about it. It still was incumbent on me to take action. My objective at that time was I just need to get clean. Yeah. Just for one day, can I be clean just one day and not use? Mm-hmm. And then two days and three days. But it, it was it was for me to continue to be persistent. And by the way, when I contacted the detox center, they didn't have a bed for me. So I had a choice to make. Am I just going to give up, throw my hands in the air and say, oh, well, no, I was persistent. I was yeah. persistent. I was yeah. determined to have the two that I could have a better life. But yeah. it was going to require me to do the work. And you believe that. Yeah. I think that's another thing, too, is like just the belief in the possibility of the unknown. I think um, I've probably said this before on other podcasts, but like we tend to we desire certainty as human beings. Yep. And when we think of the unknown, it's generally a negative thing in a lot of cases where people are like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Like if I start this new business, is it going to work out versus looking at it being like the unknown is a really amazing opportunity. And in your case, you knew your life was going to be better because of that. Absolutely. What you're speaking to is called faith. Mm-hmm. And, and and just the simplicity of faith is, is basically characterized as the evidence of things not seen, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And the evidence of things not heard. So in other words, I, ca- I can't hear it. I can't see it, feel it, touch it, but I can perceive it, whether it's a concept, an idea, me getting clean, seeing myself being clean and being drug free, right? Yeah. But it requires faith. I, I have a couple of sayings that said, nobody can walk, walk in our shoes and park cars get you nowhere. And so, you know what I mean? And yeah. so I've got to walk in my shoes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, yeah, the car might be in park, but at least the engine's still running. I'm just checking. I'm recalibrating my navigation, mm-hmm. right? I'm reassessing the situation. Uh, but at some point, we got to put it in, 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 in gear and go. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the car can't run forever to your point. Yeah. Even the best cars. Sometimes we need to fill our tank. That means sometimes even as entrepreneurs. Getting back to the timeline here. Now you're clean. Um, What happens next? Yeah. So um, I needed to get back in the workforce because there was a season in my life there where I wasn't working. I was couch surfing. I was homeless. Right. I mean, I had a truck Mm -hmm. Uh, that eventually ended up getting repossessed. So now I had no home, no car, no vehicle. So I was really, really being challenged. And, you know, how bad do I want this? How bad do I want to be set free? How bad do I I want sobriety? How bad do I want to um, have a better life and experience that, you know? And so it required me, uh, my sister, I told my sister uh, about it at the time, my oldest sister, and she took me in. She took me in and said, I, I don't have a job. I can't pay anything. She said, she said, no problem, Billy. You're not going to be on the streets. And ironically, years later, she actually took me in again. We'll, we'll get to that if, if, if there's time. But um, uh, the first thing she did, she gave me the best gift at that time. She got me a membership at the time was called uh, Family Fitness Center, which is now 24 Hour Fitness. Okay. And so I would walk from her house about two miles to this gym with my gym bag and I worked out. And in just in the first month, because I was eating, getting sleep, and oh, I was working out, I was doing something healthy for my, my mind and my body, right? And my spirit. Yeah. Um, so I was going to gym, I gained 20 pounds in the first five or six weeks. Wow. Yeah, just because I wasn't using, I was doing something healthy, feeding my body yeah. and nourishing my body. And I gained, I was feeling good about myself. Yeah. Um, and then I got a job. I got a job at a company that um, was a competitor of my brother's. My brother's business had, he had closed that up um, by the time I had left uh, through a series of circumstances. And so he was working at the company. He said, Bill, you should come work here. They'll hire you right away. And they did. And even there, I moved up through the ranks and and was a top producer for the company in fairly short order. So looking back on it, I had some gifts. Yeah. You know, I had some gifts I didn't know about, you know. Um, so, so yeah, those were like kind of the next seasons in my life. Getting clean, going to the gym. My sister gave me a gift membership and then getting a job. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of like you recognizing that you have gifts because they were always there. Um, I think something that happens to me and I think happens to a lot of people is we forget who we are. Yeah. And especially in times of challenge or um, when you have to kind of take a look at your life and say, this isn't working for me anymore. That can be like shameful. Yeah. And then you kind of question who you are, et cetera. And it's like, I think giving yourself that confidence and remembering like, I'm Billy, I can do this. And just having that validation through those circumstances. But in reality, like that Billy was always there. And it's, I think it's something to remember. Like I always think of this version of Morgan, um, who's my higher self and I check in with her and she always knows the answers. And when I get lost and kind of don't really know my way, I'll be like, Hey, am I lost? She's like, no girl, you got this. Like you're just figuring out life. That's literally how she talks for some reason. Um, but so I love that that was the kind of period in time in which you were like, all right, I'm going to be okay. Like I've done the things that I need to do to get back on track and I have a skill set that's pretty awesome, which has led you into the success of that. That is awesome. And, you know, you're speaking to something that's so important that I learned later in life and that I have to come to discover that that not enough of us do. And it's called self-talk. It's that self-affirmation. You know, I think I mentioned to you a good friend of mine, uh, um, uh, Curtis Robinson with Lead Self. Yep. And um, he says, no one speaks to us more than us. What are you saying to yourself, mm. right? What are you saying to yourself? You just you just touched on it right there, talking to yourself, right? Your higher self talking to you. And so uh, I've learned to put that in practice as well. We all do it. 
whether we realize it or not, we all so do true. it, right? Yeah. And so, um, and most people do it mindlessly. They do and it mindlessly, it's and it's negative, yeah. right? Right. It's so destructive, and so that that positive, that affirming self talk is so important, so mm-hmm. important because when the when the people close to us won't affirm us, yeah, and that's okay. We need to give them the grace to say that's okay. Right. We need to be able to affirm ourselves and say, yeah, I am enough. I'm going to settle for more, yeah. not less, right? Yeah. Um, and so it, it's. Um, that's a great point that you bring up. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I actually, I mean, it's new for sure. Cause I used to kind of just let my thoughts rule the show. Yep. Um, and now that they have a little bit more control, it's like whenever I question anything, I'll always just look to her and it's really great. So now you're in a successful position at this company. What happens next? Let's continue on the yep. path of Billy. Yeah. So, um, was uh, what's called an industrial painter, journeyman painter. So I'm doing stuff for the Department of Defense. It's a funny experience. I was doing a um, a job for Lockheed Martin, <laughs> and it's it's for this big uh, military contract. And I'm inside this tank, and I've got a hood on and a mask, and it's super toxic. And there's these inspectors from the Department of Defense, from the government there. And they would have to inspect every coat of paint that I applied to these these items. And this is what I did day in and day out. I remember the first time I took my hood off, Man, this guy's in a suit, doesn't have his jacket on. He looks at me, he goes, how old are you, young man? That time I go, I'm 24, sir. And he goes, you did this? I said, yes, sir. He goes, fantastic, nice job. He shakes my hand. And that was the very first time where I felt recognized for doing something. So looking back on that now, this conversation has kind of triggered those memories. And so, so yeah, yeah. Those, so I worked for that company for several years. It was in probably, well, actually I was 35 at the time. Okay. So I, I got there at 24. At 35, I started experiencing some, some pain in my neck and my arm. It's called repetitive, um, repetitive movement patterns. And because I wore working out or no, it's from painting. Okay. So I wore a a breathing apparatus that weighed four pounds on my head with a, with a, with a a hose. And then I also had a spray gun. And so I started getting vertigo. I started getting pains in my neck and my arm and my elbow And, and through rehab and all this stuff and seeing orthopedic doctors. Finally, they pulled me in and said, you got two choices. They said, you either, either we do surgery and we reroute some nerves no guarantee, or you retire. I go, retire, I'm 35. What am I going to do? Yeah. At that time, I'd been training martial arts for about almost five years. I got my first black belt. And, the, and I remember um, going to the La Jolla Sports Club, which was personal workout at the time. And um, my wife at the time said, why don't you open a karate studio? Mm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think you'd be great. Like, ah, no, I don't know. And then finally, long story short, I entertained the idea, spoke to the manager, Deb, because I think it's a great idea. The room is empty down there and you could have this, you know, this, this program. So I started out with my son at the time who was five and then four of his little buddies that were in a, in a, a mommy and me program out in Bird Rock okay. that my wife was part of. Yep. So I started this little program with five little boys and it blew up. 11 years later, thousands of kids come into my program. It went from a part-time three days a week to six days a week. Wow. I ended up leaving that job and just focusing full-time on building my martial arts studio. That's awesome. Yeah. I feel like too, I remember when you told me this, it's like, I mean, I have a ton of hobbies and things that I like, but like being able, I just think of the process in which you'd go about figuring that out. Like you probably were like, I don't really know. I just know I like martial arts right. and we have this room available. And again, like, I'm just going to figure it out and see how this works. And it became a huge success, and especially for kids. Like, I feel I don't I'm not a martial arts person or what would you call them? What's like the word? 
karate. Karate. Yeah. Okay. Okay. More of a g- generic word, but it, but it, yeah. Okay. It's a universal so, word. Like I feel like the skill set, especially for kids that age, if like five year olds, like that would be so valuable, and yeah. to like put into other areas of their lives, and to think that you had that impact on that many children is like really cool. Yeah. Thank you for that. A couple yeah. things happened. My instructor at the time, when I was a white belt, mm-hmm. I remember he pulled me aside and he goes, Billy. How far do you do you want to go? And I said, Well, I'm here to get my black belt, sir. He goes, Okay. He goes, You know, you've got some skills, you got some talent. I was like, Wow. I didn't play sports growing up. Oh, okay. Take that back. I didn't play any like organized sports. Okay. I mean, I, I raced BMX and that was the extent of it. And I got into surfing, you know, in in high school, but but nothing competitive. Okay. Um, but when he pulled me aside and told me that, that that really boosted my self-confidence. Yeah. That really boosted again, it was it was it was affirmation yeah. that yeah, I've got some talents here, I got some gifts. And so um got my first black belt, opened the studio, um, ended up leaving that job and um uh, the studio went from three days a week to four days a week to five and then a Saturday morning program. And from there, I had a little team of kids and I would go to every school in La Jolla. I went to the children's school, Stella Morris, Evans, uh, Gillespie, uh, Bird Rock Elementary, La Jolla Elementary, you name it. And I would take a team of kids and we'd do a little demo. And then I'd speak to the students, uh, faculty and staff okay. with some parents there. And I would talk to them about different things, about bullying, about stranger danger, about back to school safety or, or whatever it was. And from there, um, we had, a we had somebody that, um, that was a member back then, uh, at KUSI news and said, Hey, Billy, I, we'd like to do a story on you. Okay, cool. So we did a story in KUSI. Okay. Next thing I know, I become a regular on KUSI about two or three times a year, okay. uh, talking about child safety, back to school safety, things of that nature, Halloween safety, even, you know, kind of the do's and don'ts, uh, from the, my name was kid Billy at the time. Right. Yeah. I think of that. that. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so that was my martial arts journey and that was my, my really, my, my, uh, first time jumping in, becoming an entrepreneur, looking back at it, because I actually had a business, you know, that um, uh, at the time was supporting my family. Uh, I, I did uh, get my personal training license and certification, and I actually was uh, became a personal trainer at the La Jolla Sports Club okay. at the time, personalized workout to supplement my income. So I would be there at 5 a.m. to train my first clients. Oftentimes I was there with the opener, and I would train clients up until about noon or one o'clock, and then I'd have about a two hour break for like lunch. I would, I'd have a pill in my car, I'd park underneath and I'd just take a nap in my car. And then I was back at it from three to 6 p.m. Oh doing three classes in a row with kids, Wow! right? That's and then sometimes nice. maybe had another client at night and got, got home at eight o'clock at night. So, but I did that for 11 years. What was yeah. it? Okay, because you're obviously passionate about it. It's a skill set that you have. Um, was it ta- tasking? Was it energizing? Like working that many hours, especially connecting with people. I'll say like when I talk with clients, I love doing it, but I put so much of myself into it yeah. that it's exhausting sometimes if I have back-to-back appointments. What was like, do you remember those times where you really tired? Did you feel like because it was your passion, you weren't? Or what was that like for you? All the above. Okay. <laughs> but 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 it came in it came in seasons, right? We yeah. talked about that earlier. So like yeah. the first several years, I was really passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Um I saw the impact I was having in the lives of these kids. Mm-hmm. And then I would see it um permeate to their families. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would hear I would get feedback from the parents or a letter from a teacher saying, you know, so-and-so is doing such a great job. He or she can actually sit up straight. I, one, one story comes in particular. I got a letter from a, um, a teacher. The mom showed it to me and said, you know, so-and-so was, would struggle in his desk, sitting still and stuff like that. And I just noticed one day that he was actually sitting still and being more behaved. And I asked him, how, you know, how are you able to do that? 
He goes, because I trained karate with Mr. Borgia. And he says that when we're sitting down, we need to be still and we need to watch, listen, and learn. And so, yeah, I mean, I almost started crying right there when she told me that. So those kind of stories and feedback I would get back. So I knew that I was having a positive impact in the lives of these kids. And here's the thing, though. Uh, I put it out there, Mm -hmm. okay, in a prayer. And I said, because of my childhood and things I went through, I said, help me to help other kids because of what I went through. And that was years before I even started training martial arts. I had no idea. And I just looking back and I just remember one Saturday morning standing there, Saturday morning, a room full of kids, all level class, parents standing there. And it just hit me. This voice just said, I answered your prayer. You asked me to use you to help kids and look at what you're doing. And I was like, wow, I want to do more. Seriously, I had that conversation in my mind, standing right there. I could see myself in my uniform, barefoot on a hardwood floor with a bunch of kids sitting there in front of me. And so it's those, it's those kind of, um, uh, it's that kind of feedback that I would get from 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 educators and parents, and, and it just affirmed that I was doing something good and positive. Mm-hmm. And those, like, speaking to that moment, I like got chills when you talked about that. Is like those moments when we recognize that we've achieved whatever it was and i don't think i think we'll talk about this later but like we're never there yeah there's never like this top of the mountain where you're like okay cool i'm done now but there are moments where you're like wow i've really come a long way i'm helping a lot of kids and i like too that you keep touching on this recognition piece this is actually something my dad was a huge proponent of Mm -hmm. um he always made people feel recognized in the most unlikely circumstances like he would send people letters or just like let them know that they were doing something great and how far that goes and to hear like that's been a pretty important thing throughout your life when we're talking about these stories is like when you are working independently as like an entrepreneur or you're kind of out there doing your own thing someone no matter who it is coming up and recognizing what it is that you're doing and telling you hey you're doing a good job like that goes so far it's crazy so i even try and do that in my life now like this is really random but last night someone put my clothes in the dryer my um i live in an apartment building and my sheets, I totally forgot about it. So I was actually working on figuring out how to make these microphones work last night. And it was like 9.30 and I was like, oh shoot, I forgot about my sheets. And I wanted fresh sheets in my bed. I'm like, oh, I'll just have to stay up and whatever. And I went down there and someone had put them in the dryer and like even used the right dryer sheets that I like. <laughs> it was amazing. It was a wonderful surprise. And then the guy ended up, happened to be down there when I went to go pick him up. And I was like, thank you so much for doing that. I appreciate you so much. And then I gave him some cookies because I always have those in my freezer. And he was like blown away like wow. it was it made his night yeah. which it made my night and it just like makes the world go around right awesome. and it's like a high vibration that's a really simple story but just in relation to you i feel like that's what's giving you a lot of drive to pursue the things that you do because you know that it's affecting people in the right way yes absolutely thank you for that and yeah. i think um I-, I was actually gonna say something about that too because it was very simple things that happened in your life that didn't take a lot of effort. Like the man saying, wow, you did an excellent job. Mm. And you remember that to this day. It's amazing because sometimes as entrepreneurs, we can get caught up in this like, oh, I need to like change the world or like change the masses and, you know, spread this message. But um, in reality, you can do that every single day by just like, talking to somebody, being nice, recognizing somebody. And um, I'm a nurse. That's what I do. And I, um, for a time, you know, I was trying to change the world. Like I had this vision, like, I want to change the world. I want to help everyone. Like I need to help the masses. And then I'm like, 
I can do this every single day by helping one person significantly, you yeah. know, with this like very personal message. Yeah. Um, and I feel like you were able to do that with your children or the children that took your classes too. You were able to connect with them. Like impact their lives. Yeah. Yes. Um, and it's so, so, so important. And I know I bring up social media all the time, but like that is what I feel on social media. Everybody's obsessed mm. with changing the masses and creating this message that's just like impacting everybody and getting stressed out about it. Whereas like you can do it every day with your neighbor or with or this podcast or this podcast. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So. Absolutely. Thank you for that. You know, you, both of you are speaking to something that's so important and it, it kind of it ties in with with the theme for the podcast mm -hmm. is relationships, right? Mm -hmm. Relationships. And I think Zig Ziglar coined the phrase years ago, but I heard it first with John Maxwell and it says people don't care about what you know until they know how much you care. Mm. right they don't so, care about what you know until they know how much you care and so what you shared when what you shared is 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 you showed somebody hey i recognize what you did no matter great or small it was right and and, and at, at, because you recognized it right that to you shows that somebody actually cared cared enough they didn't just throw my stuff on top of the dryer because they need to get their stuff in there they actually cared enough to dry it right for you right. and it was a small thing to you but at the time it was huge it was like oh my gosh you know i don't, I don't have stranger. right i don't have to wait another hour for them to dry right yeah. um and then the stuff that you do thank you so much you know what i mean it, it's um we're impacting people's lives one person at a time whether you know i have a saying to, to my leadership team uh, there's there's a story I'm getting sidetracked. There's a story called um, An Audience of One or One Thousand, and, it, and it's it's an off-Broadway show. You might have heard about it. Yeah. And so uh, the takeaway from it is there, there was this, this off-Broadway show that was just selling out weeks and weeks and weeks. And then this one night in particular, and I'm kind of paraphrasing the story, um, they're behind stage, and and I guess it's 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 a big no-no. Don't peek out of the curtains. You know, just wait mm. to the curtain. Yeah. And all of a sudden, someone, do you hear that? And they're like, what? And they go, it's so quiet out there. And anyhow, curtains open up and the, the, you know, the, the, the theater is empty and there's one guy sitting in the very back. They do their show, they're in the back talking, I don't understand what's happening. There's a knock on the door and it's this man in this well-dressed suit and said, we bought out the theater because we heard a lot of good things about you guys. And yeah, and it just wanted, now I'm not, I don't recall, you may recall Jamie, how the story went, but I use that story um, to my leadership team. It doesn't matter if you have an audience of one or 1,000. You have to show up and you have to give your best. Mm -hmm. You have to give your best. Be the best version of you for whatever moment, okay? And so, because sometimes in life, there are no second chances, right? There are no second chances. And so, um, I tell them that because in our business, whether it's Vibeflow Yoga or Orange Fitness, they're, they're there to motivate 25 to 40 people in an hour to do something they would never do had it not been for your influence. That's pretty cool. They're yes. coming to you. They're waiting for you to get them to, to do something they won't do on their own. And so they're expecting their best, your best, um, you know, from you. And so I've kind of adopted that same mindset, audience of one or 1,000. So mm -hmm. sometimes I'll see our coaches get a little like, I can just tell their energy and their attitude if the class isn't full. It's like, wait a minute, hold on a second. You're here for the hour. You might as well give them your best, right? Mm -hmm. right? You might as well give them your best. And so, anyhow, um, relationships, though. Yeah. Relationship is huge. People don't care about what you know until they know how much you care. And so, your performance, your attitude, um, how you present yourself or the organization uh, either shows you care about the organization, you care about the client. As soon as we, what I've learned, as soon as I take myself, take Billy out of the equation and, and realize it's not about me, that I need to be other centered, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. 
it was a game changer for me. Mm-hmm. And it's, it needs to be genuine. People know when it's not genuine, well, right? Totally. Dale Carnegie. Yeah. There you go. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and while we're talking about that, just kind of going back to what I said earlier is you have a lot on your plate. There's mm-hmm. no denying that. You have kids, you have a wife, you have friendships, you have your health, you have surfing, you have um, hobbies, and then you have multiple businesses. How do you, so the principles within that book obviously have impacted you and allowed you to prioritize, but um, what are some other ways in which you're able to make space for all those things and then still show up as this really present there person? Yeah, great question. So my schedule, my my schedule, I meant to say two words at one time and I got schedule. (laughs) Schedule, there you go. That was my six-year-old person (laughs) talking there. so my schedule is, is is set in advance. I'm sure as your, both yours are, it's set in advance, pretty pretty well in advance, but it's also very fluid. Things can change. Like even before coming here, I'm getting text messages from people from my leadership team, whether it's through Orange Theory or Vibeflow. Uh, I think you may have saw, I, I did a um, in-studio oh, yeah. with, with Fox 5, with Heather Lake, which was awesome. So cool. And so, you know, there, I got these questions bouncing back and forth, not on my on my regular schedule, but I just know that the, I could I could have these things come in my way at any given time, but but it starts with my schedule. All right, I'm really deliberate with my schedule. It starts between 4:35 a.m. I have my quiet time, my devotional time in the dark, and just sit there. Sometimes I fall asleep, I wake back up. Oh my gosh, I get back in my lane, yeah. and that's before I turn fire up the computer. Coffee, I think I showed this with you. Coffee maker set the night before. My outfit, my clothes, my workout um, outfit is already set the night before, and what I'm going to change into afterwards already set aside, mm-hmm. and it's ready to go. The coffee maker set. Okay, so I have that. I have my routine down. If I don't do one of those, one or two of those things, it's going to set me back. I know that. Yeah. Have I been perfect in applying that? No, absolutely not. There's sometimes I'm B. just beat. Right. I'm yeah. so. You know what I mean? And so that just means I got to get up and cut something else short just to get, but you know, to get, stay on task. But really, it comes down as being very intentional about making sure that my schedule. Yeah, I'm clear on my schedule and make sure I don't overbook myself. You mentioned hobbies, surfing, martial arts. Um, I've taken up golf in about six months ago. Love it. But those things all have to take a backseat. You know what I mean? They really do. Because more than more than the businesses, you know, my marriage and my, my, my nine-year-old son, you know, I have to be a present husband and dad when I'm there. I need to be present. It's so important because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I don't know anyone, you know, there was a story on Focus on the Family years ago where he tells a story about um, a 10-year-old little girl was talking about the dad was just, you know, climbing the corporate ladder, doing deals, all this stuff. And she said, and I'm paraphrasing again, but the, what stuck with me was like, was like, dad, you know that big deal you were working on? It's like, yeah, honey. She goes, big deal. Mm-hmm. Big deal. Mm-hmm. What about me? Right. You know, that's kind of a big deal. And so that always stuck with me. And so making sure that that um, that that I'm intentional about about being a present present when I'm with my family, you know, and so um, uh, it's um, it really is an art form that you have to develop. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, it's so validating to hear you say that because it's something that I've been working on for probably the past three years consistently. And it's really hard uh, pattern for me to break is to not just do. Like I was always validated by how hard I could work and my hustle. Yeah. Um, and it made me, I learned a lot and there was really great positives that came out of that. But then also there's times where I don't prioritize my friends and family or my health or my well-being, And I just put everything else aside. And it's like, what's the point, yeah. right? And I think 
my incline, like when you talk the way that you do and show up the way you do, I'm like, oh, what's the secret, Billy? Come on, tell me what is it, right? Like we all want that. The secret is navigating what works best for you and only you can know that. And you'd mentioned this before is staying in your lane. You can't look at someone else's life and adapt your life to be theirs in order for you to be happy because it works for them. And that's something I do as well as like the comparison trap or like, I'll be like, okay, so Billy, tell me what your day is like. Like, right. I just want to know because I'm intrigued. I'm like, oh, maybe tomorrow I'll wake up at 4.30. Maybe that'll work better for me. Right. Um, but at the same time, like, I know it works best for me. And again, going back to the higher self yep. and just saying, okay, so do I need to do this uh, three appointments that I have booked this afternoon? Is that realistic? You know, or um, if I have something, I have my nieces spending the night tonight. So um, how can I figure out a way to still have an accomplished day, but be done by 3 p.m. so I can go pick them up and be present, spend right. time with them. So I think it's a real art. And I feel, I beg to say that that is one of the most important things um, to create a fulfilled life beyond the business success and all the other things is really like, it comes down to kind of managing your schedule and prioritizing your life. Awesome. I love that. I think I shared with you uh, when we met, uh, about a book uh, and, you know, live and lead like a black belt, mm-hmm. right? Because as you're talking and I'm reflecting, uh, clearly my martial arts experience, um, uh, journey, so right. Yeah. Um, taught me a lot, self-control, discipline, um, training my body, my mind, you know, there's so many things I have a saying in, in fitness and certainly applies in martial arts or any form of uh, athletics life in general is that when your body says no our mind says go that means the whole mind over matter mm-hmm. so sometimes when i just feel physically worn and beat down right mm-hmm. i have to train myself right mentally my mind and say no you can do this you can finish we start strong we finish strong we always finish what we start billy mm-hmm. and so that's kind of been a mantra of mine for years because that was something i would have the kids say mm-hmm. you know in my martial arts program mm-hmm. um but it, it, it's so important to have that discipline. Mm-hmm. Part of discipline is self-control. I want to go do this. I want to go play a quick nine holes. It's going to take me an hour and a half to two hours, but then I go, Billy, do you really have two hours right now? You don't. <laughs> I can justify it and look at it yeah. and I can be home in time when, you know, when, when my wife and my son get home and be present. Yeah, but if you have a couple guys in front of you that's going to slow you down or vice versa, you're having a bad game, just don't do it. Yeah. And so what do I do? I don't do it. Yeah. Um, you know, surfing, there's been a swell. I've had a couple of buddies that reach out. Hey, there's some waves around. I can't go. Sorry. You know, there'll be times where I can go. And, and, and I have seasons, seasons where I go mm-hmm. and I'll do it. But right now I'm in a different season, you know? Um, yeah. so, and I like how you talk about discipline in that way. Cause in my mind, I think a discipline is like push yourself, work as hard as you possibly can, but it's like, no, it's a discipline in a way that you can bring forth the best version of you as much as possible. Right. Um, so I think that's really valuable. Efficient. Yeah. Efficient. I feel like you have a lot to say on that. No, that's kind of your, that's a good word. Efficiency. It really is. This is like Jamie's, I feel, cause I do struggle with this. And so I kind of look to you a lot for guidance on it and you just are naturally that way. I don't understand where I miss the mark, but in our upbringing. I don't don't think I, I I think it's still learning process, but, um, I feel like you in the past were potentially a people pleaser for sure. But I feel like as we've gotten older, you really, yeah. especially with your girls and your time. I think it's the the best thing you can say no to are those like the social stuff that you don't really want to do. The, <laughs> that you feel obligated. Yeah. It's right. like that yeah. stuff can take up so much of your time. Yes. Birthday yeah. parties, 
kids' birthday parties. Right? Yeah. Soccer. I just had this conversation. Oh, with nine years old, like major into the sports thing, right? Yeah. Or no? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. And last night was funny because I was invited to um, this fundraiser on Thursday. And my, my buddy sends me a text. He goes, hey, did you get my text? And I said, yeah, I did. I said, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it, man. Um, my son's got a soccer practice. The season's winding down. And then usually we go grab dinner after as a family afterwards. He goes, oh. He goes, oh, you're in soccer jail. So many of my buddies are in soccer yeah. jail. I probably shouldn't even be saying this. Anyhow. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but you're like, I like it, sort of. Yeah, like I do. Yeah. I do. And you know, the, the most important thing is that my, my son looks on the sideline. He's looking for his mom and dad. Yeah. Are they there? So Are they there? And and if I miss some, absolutely. There's been a couple. I can count on one hand how many I've missed and still have some fingers left. But I'm usually there. My schedule allows me to do so because I put in my schedule. I'm disciplined with it. Yeah. And I know that I need to shut things down yeah. and be there and be present. Yeah. But at the end of the day, my son's not going to remember the big deal that I did. He's big no. deal, right? Dad? He's going to remember that my dad was present. Yeah. He was yeah. there. Think of how easy that was. Yeah. You know what I mean? It yeah. doesn't cost. I mean, it takes some time. Yeah, it takes this whatever. But like even my daughter, she's only five. And if I when I come to her dance class and she sees me out the window, she's just like, right. So Lights excited. up. It's ever. like the best day ever that I'm yeah. there. And it's just like, I just have to sit there and watch her for an hour. It's no big deal. <laughs> Absolutely. <Yeah>. Absolutely. <laughs> it means it's everything to them. Right. It really is. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of the whole like relationship thing, um, what I found fascinating in our original like prep conversation when we had coffee is th- this theme throughout your life in which you have kind of been this person in La Jolla where everybody knows and relationships have really helped you succeed. And now you're kind of folding it back and doing mentorship and um, leadership and um, really building relationships to help others get to where you are in your life. So tell me about that and like how you see relationships as a value in your life throughout. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, it- my name is the most valuable thing I have. My word is the most valuable thing I have. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's an old proverb that says, uh, greater, than, greater than gold and silver is one's own name. And so for me, I could, I could be super successful and have all the, th- the finer things of life and, and not have good character and not be a person of integrity, not perfect, but just not have a good name. Or I could be broke and have a, have a really good name and be surrounded by, by so many people that respect you, right? At the end of the day, if someone respects you, they, it's, they respect you for a good reason. Hopefully it's not because you're a person of influence or because of what they can get. They, they right. generally respect you for who you are, right? right? Yeah. Strip down, owning nothing, having nothing to speak of. They, they, they respect you because of the person you are. And so for me, um, that was that's been an important principle for me is just be is is just trying to conduct myself with the utmost of integrity and being a person of character not perfect i have a saying that 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 we're not looking for perfection we're just looking for progress right in life whatever it is and so for me it's just making sure that i try to maintain a good name mm-hmm. and so la jolla the community would not have embraced me to start orange Theory fitness or to have the martial arts studio or the, the personal training gym that i had you know in between those two um ventures if if i didn't have a good name if people didn't trust me right mm-hmm. that hey billy's somebody that we can trust we can work with him things like that um so i've uh, the opportunity that's been given to me going from now 60 employees i'm able to pour into them i'm able to pour into my leadership team and you have a really close relationship with your team like I when do. we talked i mean i was honestly taken back you have 60 employees yeah 
um, multiple locations of OTF and then you have the vibe flow and it's like you, they text you or email you and they say they need to call and you make the space and time for them. And I just think I was really blown away by that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because on my leadership team, there's 15 of them out of the 60 employees and only one of them came to me with any, any meaningful experience in management. Um, so I knew what, I knew what the opportunity that I had before me that, that I was going to be mentoring these, these people in leadership. And so part of mentorship and leadership is, is influence. What kind of influence was I going to be in their life? Was I going to be, hey, look, this is your job. Here's your responsibility. Here's policy procedures and process. Do these things. You're going to be okay. Don't bother me. No. And it, no, I was in, in it with them. I had to model what my expectations were for them. You know, there's a saying to inspect what, inspect what you expect, right? Mm-hmm. Inspect. Yeah. So I'm constantly am, right? I'm not looking for them to stumble and fall, right? right, right. Um, but I'm looking on how I can help them. How can I help them improve, get better? You know what I mean? And so uh, you have to have a relationship with them. You have to be present. You have to be available. You have to make yourself available in leadership for those that you lead, right? And then hopefully you model it well enough and they adopt those principles, they adopt those characteristics, and then they lead. They do the same in those that they lead. And that's how you, that's how you create explosive growth in any organization right. is that you pour into your leadership team and you train them to find other potential leaders within your company mm-hmm. and, do, and follow the same process, right? And so you're absolutely right. They can text me. Oftentimes they do. I mean, there's probably not a day that doesn't go by where one of them says, hey, Billy, got a situation right now. I need some guidance. Are you available? Give me about 15 minutes just wrapping up a meeting. I'll be right with you kind of thing. And I'm present. I'm there for them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or we may need to jump on a quick three-way. You know, let's get them both on the call. Let's nip this right now kind of thing. So, right. yeah. But I feel like it even goes far beyond just your business success. Like, I mean, yeah, a lot of people be like, oh, yeah, I nurture my employees because it's going to be better for me in the end. Right. Yeah. But you you go so far beyond that. I mean, you talked to me about people who decided that they wanted to pursue a different avenue and you were like, I'm so happy for you. And you still maintain relationships with them and still mentor them. And I think just coming from a place of serving and giving, that's just who you are through and through. And I think that is what is such a testament to who you are with your integrity. Mm. And because you do it not to, for the success of your business, that's an after effect, like effect for yeah. sure. Yeah. But it's like, you really care about these people and like the betterment of their lives. Absolutely. Which, like coming from that space, like that's what I, my goal and everything is really about contribution and how can I serve and yeah. like give my talents to help other people. And you do that in so many different ways. And mm-hmm. I just commend you for that. I think awesome. that's really cool. Thank you for that. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I have an employee that was with me for four years right out of college. Um and was just looking for an interview, uh, looking for a job, and we interviewed him, and we decided let's give him a chance. You know, seemed like a bright young man, um, and just you know, did a, had a great interview. And then I sat down with him, and I said, "Dim's name's Kevin." I said, "Kevin, so what are your goals?" He goes, "My goal is um, to not be a sales associate forever. I want to be a coach for you." I said, "Okay." He goes, what do I need to do? I told him he needed to do. In a year, he did everything that, that I told him he needed to do. And I gave him an opportunity, trained him, he became a coach. He said, I would like, I go, what's your next goal? Once you achieve one, you've got to have the next. What's, what's next? You know, right. I've learned to ask myself, what's next? And so he goes, I want to be a head coach. I said, okay, here's what you need to do. He started to do those things. Next thing you know, he becomes a head coach for, for the La Jolla studio. Um, but he put, uh, he put, you know, he put that out there, told me what he needed to do, and he did it. And next thing you know, he became my head coach and did really well at it. And then when I opened up my second orange theory and then my third, and then was, was turning my sights towards launching Vibe Flow Yoga, um, 
I, I needed I needed a district head coach. I needed somebody else to go a little bit higher leadership that I can pour into. Uh, and he was the guy. He was the guy. And so I took him to a higher level of mentorship and leadership. And he did really well. I remember he first came to me and he goes, you know, Billy, I'm so grateful for this opportunity. This is awesome. He goes, but I do have a concern. And I said, what is that, Kevin? He goes, I'm younger than a lot of the other coaches that, that work for us. And he goes, I'm just concerned on how they're going to, how they're going to embrace me or, or accept me. Mm-hmm. And I just smiled and said, Kevin, all you need to know is that I qualify you. Mm-hmm. All I need to know that I qualify. Recognition you. and acceptance. Exactly. Again, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. people, people, <laughs> people will soar. If I can use a term from, uh, uh, T.D. Jakes. Soar, he wrote a book called Soar, it was amazing. And people will soar when they know that you care and that you believe in them and that you, you support them, you got their back. Yes. They will. Yeah. And this, this young man soared, he was with me four years. And I remember when he came to me, I'm driving to La Jolla, he says, hey, do you have any time to meet? And I was coming from Del Mar, I said, sure. I'm heading in the village now, he's okay. And I'm driving in and I'm like, okay, what does he want to meet with me about? It was just out of the blue. And I just felt like, you know, God just said, he's giving you his notice today. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, okay. So I went in there and he's he's pacing in the gym. He's like this and we sit down and I put my hand on his shoulder. I go, Kevin, it's okay. And he just started crying. Aww. I'm gonna start crying. Uh, he just started crying. Uh, he goes, um, I said, no, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I just wanted to thank you for the four years pouring into me. You've poured into me like nobody else. The only person that, that poured into me like you is my dad. And, wow. um, and I'm better today because of that. And I just want to thank you for the opportunities you've given me. You've believed in me from day one. And he goes, I'm just wanting to let you know that, I, that I'm moving away and I'm giving you my notice. Mm-hmm. And I just said, congratulations, Kevin. So obviously your influence is a positive one. I can affirm that for you mm-hmm. for sure in the few t- uh, times that we've spoken. So let's talk about the businesses. Mm-hmm. Like I, so you have the three Orange Theory Fitnesses. You have two Vibe Flow, right? A new one that's coming? There's we, we have one. Okay. We uh, we have an opportunity for an amazing space in Little Italy. Okay. Um, but um, it's not a done deal yet. Okay. So sorry, premature. Yeah. No, but let's, okay. So let's, everyone knows Orange Theory Fitness, right? Like that's, I feel like more commonly known at least, but Tell us a little bit about that. And let's, I want to talk about more about Vibe folks. Sure. Really innovative and cool. Yeah. So Orange Theory Fitness, I remember um, just real quickly, uh, 13 years ago, I had lost everything. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned to you, I was married, had two young kids, mm-hmm. nice house, white picket fence, the mushroom tree in the front with a swing. I kid you not. I was living the American dream, making good income with the martial arts studio and supplementing with training. So all that stuff was, was going well. Um, and I got into a business venture with four other partners was certain that this was my calling, my next next level, my next step. Mm-hmm. A year into it, I realized that it wasn't. And so our ship was taken on water. Next thing you know, we had to pull both our kids out of private school, rock their world, absolutely rock their world. My son was 16 and my daughter was 10. Um, and then our little nest egg that we had to cover our shortfall every month that we drew of, we had enough in, the, in our bank to cover us for a year and that ran out. Mm-hmm. And then we fall behind on our mortgage and the house foreclosed. And then the next thing you know, you know, my wife and I are going through a divorce. So literally it was broken, broken. And so had to start over. Mm-hmm. And so for me, again. again, and now here's the thing, starting over on my own as a young adult. Okay. But this was the most difficult thing I'd ever had to go through because of how it affected my two kids and their mom. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't just about me anymore. Right. It, it, it actually, actually absolutely rocked their world. And that was the most difficult thing that I had to um, look at myself at and go, oh my gosh, you know, I've got, I've got to do something here. When we spoke kind of, you really blamed yourself a lot for that. Yeah. Which like, 
you did the best that you could always. Yep. Um, but kind of sidetracking from the business side is like what happened with your relationship with your children and how you had to kind of amend that because yep. of the blame that you took and oh, yeah. that experience. Yeah. And so my son, they went from a four bedroom house to a one bedroom apartment. My son was on a couch and my daughter and her mom shared a room. And again, this is so weird looking back. I found myself with just my car and my dog and nowhere to stay. And so my sister, the same sister who found out that I was like three days sleeping in my car, she says, no, no, you're not going to sleep in your car. I said, you refused her, right? At first. I did. Yeah. I said, I can't afford to pay you anything. Her name's Lydia. I can't afford to pay you anything. I mean, I'm literally broke, you know? And um, she goes, that's okay. She goes, you come and you stay here as long as you need to, Billy. I know you, you'll get back on your feet. I said, okay. So they had an extra room. So I stayed there and I just remember saying a prayer said, God, if you would help me, I took ownership. This is, I take ownership. This is my fault. Okay. And if, if you help me, um, get back on my feet and give me an opportunity to either own a business or run an organization and I'll devote my, my, my life to helping men. I worked with kids. I helped kids. I even taught Sunday school for a year when we lived in Orange County. Um, I said, use me to help men. Okay. And so that following year, a buddy of mine had gotten the contract for Orange Area Fitness in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And he told me about it. And I said, I can't fly out there. I'm broke. And he goes, dude, I think these guys are onto something big. That was in 2012. Oh, wow. I said, let me know. I didn't know it was that oh, long yeah. ago. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. I go, let me know when they come to California and then I'll check it out. Well, he calls me like a couple months later and says, I'm coming to Newport Beach to open the first studio in California. I said, great. I drove up there. I walked in the studio right away and I said, oh my God, I want to do this. Please, I want to do this. These guys are on, on the cutting edge of re and they're going to revolutionize group fitness. Yeah. And, and, and I was specific when I said, God, I want to do something. But I said, before I turn 50. At that time, I was in my mid-40s. Before okay. I turned 50. Okay. I was really specific. Next thing I know, my wife throws me a 50th birthday. We're at a restaurant here locally. And I'm standing looking at family, friends, and my new business partner. And I just remember this voice going, you need to tell them. I'm like, tell them what? I go, tell them what I just did. You asked me to give you an opportunity to either own a business or run an organization before you turn 5-0. Mm -hmm. And you would commit to help men. At that time, I just started going to the Rock. And I okay. immersed myself in the men's group. Yeah. And I said, okay. And so I told the story and people were crying. Oh my gosh. And I said, and I'm getting on a plane next month to go to Fort Lauderdale for franchise training. Mm. And so very specific. And that was, um, that was almost seven years ago. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Six years ago to be exact. Six and a half years ago to be okay. exact. And so Orange Theory came my way and um, the space that we're at now. You know, I wanted it really bad. It used to be JNS Beauty Supply okay. and they'd been there forever because I used to get my hair products from them. Okay. And when I saw the for lease sign, I'm like, oh my gosh, I want this space. I want this space. And my partner and I went back and forth and he wanted one in Mission Valley because it was a bigger market and black, back and forth. And before I know it, I just, I, I acquiesced. I said, okay, we'll go to your space. And then I get a call from him. I'm having lunch and he goes, hey, Bill, where you at? And I said, oh, I'm having lunch. Why? And he goes, meet me over at that space on Gerard. I said, okay, I walk in there. He's in there with my broker and he shakes my hand. He goes, congratulations, you're getting your space. I said, what happened? He goes, Mission Valley is a no-go because the YMCA downstairs has a non-compete. I'm like, cool. So I got my space. A year later, I get a call from their broker at, at, at Mission Valley. And I and and I, I said I said what's up and he goes yeah I want to see if you guys are still interested in being in Hazard Center I go what space and he told me I go we inquired about that a year ago and you and the, you guys told us no go non compete and he goes there was never no non compete that broker did not want to rock the boat with the Y so he said that he goes but it's yours if you want it I said you're kidding me so in in two and a half years oh, my partner and I both got the spaces we wanted wow so now you have the one in UTC so now we have the one in UTC yep yeah yeah. 
And then, um, which in, I came across Orange Theory when I lived in San Francisco. My friend Sarah, still to this day, goes, and Jen, my friend Jen, they go like four to five times. Oh, yeah. They're shredded. Oh, yeah. They like crush yeah. life. Um, and to get in, it's just so popular. I remember they'd have to like book out like a week in advance yep. for a class. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so obviously successful. And then you came across this other venture with Vibeflow. Can yeah. you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So Vibeflow Yoga was, uh, you know, we were, um, we only had three licenses with Orange Street Fitness. So UTC was the last one. So I'm sitting here, I talked earlier in, in our conversation about what's next. Mm-hmm. So I, I remember sitting there one day going, what's next? What's next for me? Mm-hmm. I want to do more. I want to impact more lives. Uh, I want it. So again, I said, God, would you please expand my territory? I want to do more. I want to reach more lives. Give you some perspective. Orange Street Fitness, our studios, like the one here in La Jolla has about 900 members. And it's okay. a small boutique studio. That's huge. Yeah. You know, um, Mission Valley has probably combined probably about 1,100 members. And UTC mm-hmm. is surpassed Mission Valley in, in a year. UTC is just Massive. huge. Yeah. All of them are home runs, but but just in, from a numbers perspective. So to round it off, we got about 3,000 members between the three. That's yeah. unheard of for a boutique studio until Orange Theory came around. Yeah. But Orange Theory has done some things specifically with regards to culture, okay, mm-hmm. um, and community. They've really nailed it to where people come for the workout, but they come back for the community. They come back for the experience, right? Yes, yeah. As they tapped into something that's missing in today's culture because everybody's got a device in their hand, right. whether at a restaurant or somewhere out, everyone's you know got their head down, they're looking at that device. Right. They're not engaging. We're not engaging as much as we used to. Right. Um, so I took a lot of the principles I learned from Orange Theory and applied them to Viveflow. But Viveflow came out of from the same guy that told me about Orange Theory Fitness. Okay. I'm sitting in front of, at home, working from home on my computer and he calls me and says, hey, what are you doing? I said, I'm just working from home. You got your computer? I said, yes. He goes, go to this website. I go to this website and see these vibration plates. I said, cool. He goes, I'm a distributor for these vibration plates now. Awesome. So I look on human performance, strength training, all the benefits for athletes. I look on anti-aging for older population, huge benefits for them. And then I click on uh, rehabilitation, even horses. They, they train thoroughbred racehorses on these same vibration platforms for, for recovery and for training purposes for these horses. Wow. And then I saw a yoga plate and I clicked on it and I go, do you know how many of these plates they sell? And he goes, not very many. It's not, it's not, it's not one of their, their main products, but they have it. I said, I have an idea for a new startup company. He's like, what? I go, I'm going to do yoga studios with these plates. He goes, you're crazy. I said, I know, <laughs> I know. And you're going to help me. He's like, how? I said, you're going to help me. Um, we did our first class. It was full and only five plates, but still. And we, and we knew right there, my business partner, and I sitting there, we looked at each other and we just smiled. We knew that we had something very cool and very good and very positive. And to a person that people took, they wore headphones. We can get in that. They took the headphones off and they looked at us and like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? That was an amazing experience. Yeah. Didn't even speak to the effect, just yeah. the experience, right? Which yeah. is huge. Yeah. It wasn't until the next day where I got a couple of text messages from them unrelated, unsolicited, but they reached out and says, I feel different mm-hmm. than I today from when I did that class yesterday. Can I come back? Oh. And so You're we, like, we have something. Right. And so flash forward to today. We got our first studio at One Paseo in Del Mar, and um, we're uh, we just celebrated four months being open. So, and yeah, and so and the benefits, like you kind of spoke to them a little bit, but when we were talking, I was like, "What? It yeah. sounds like almost too good to be true, but I know that it's not." Which right. is why Fox News was just there right. on Monday yep. um, to showcase it as well. But can you speak to some of those benefits? Absolutely. And, here, and here's thank you for asking. Here's the thing for me: it was like 
I didn't need to do yoga. It wasn't on my radar two and a half years ago, right? But remember, I talked about expand my territory. I want to do more. I want to impact and influence more lives, right? Um, and so when I saw the benefits that the vibration technology does to the human body, both from a physiological standpoint and from a structure, our bone, bone structure standpoint, I bought a plate and I, I brought it to my house and I, I played around on it for six months before I even went to that next level mm -hmm. for six months. I mean, I was still working on the plan with my buddy and doing all these things, but I said, I need, I need to experience this for myself because some of the benefits, you know, um, before I get to the benefits, it was developed, um, uh, the, the former Soviet Union, the Russians actually developed vibration technology for their astronauts during okay. a space race with, with, with the Americans, with the US. What was happening is that they would be in space, they couldn't stay out very long because they were losing bone mineral density and muscle mass. They would atrophy. Yeah. So what they discovered is that through this vibration uh, technology, that they could stay in space four times longer than their U.S. counterparts. Wow. Four times longer. They started using it for the Olympic athletes, and they that first year they used the place in their Olympic athlete training. Um, some would question other things, but at the end of the day, they actually that they they had the most gold medals. I mean, they just dominated. Right. Mm -hmm. Flash forward to today. Vibration technology I mentioned is being used by for thoroughbred racehorses for recovery and and, and helping with the horses. Um, it's using uh, in the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NHL, uh, UFC, as well as U.S. military trains uh, their athletes wow. and uh, on these plates, right? Uh, improving strength, power, and recovery. Uh, in addition, older population, huge benefits on the older population for uh, osteoporosis, bone mineral density. Again, this is all scientific stuff. It's not stuff I made up. Right. It's tons of research. It's like technology. It it's is. Like factual base. Yeah, it's out, it's out there. And, and there'll be naysayers saying it's a gimmick and this and that. I wouldn't be doing it. wouldn't put my name behind it if the, if the, if the data wasn't there. Right. right? right. Um, we don't make any claims. We just share, share the studies and the research that we found with people. Okay. But again, osteoporosis, bone mineral density, it helps to relieve. Um, joint and back pain. Um, it also helps with human performance athletes in terms of their uh, their recovery, their vertical or power training, as well as their strength training. Wow. Huge growth um, uh, in, in those areas. Um, and then with the older population, increase in circulation, movement, flexibility, balance, coordination, all those things benefit the older population. All of us for that matter, but specifically for them. Yeah, because uh, how many workouts can they do sometimes, right? right. You know, like they're limited. And so right. having something that will provide that many benefits, like that's crazy. And a yeah. workout, like again, it's not a workout, it's an experience. Like it's I an like how you said that. Yeah, and, and, but you know what we discovered is because we're doing it with yoga, it, it has become a workout mm -hmm. because of what, what it, the, the response it triggers in the body. Mm -hmm. A couple other things real quick is it, 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 um, it helps to drain the lymphatic system. Mm -hmm. It also reduces the stressful hormone cortisol and it increases our youthful hormone, the serotonin, that feel good hormone. Yeah. So again, this is scientific data research. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so those things all bode well. And so then when I saw that and I worked on it myself, I said, I got to do this, right? Wow. Like I said, yoga wasn't even on my radar. Right. And so, um, so yeah, there I put the pen to the paper and just got some people involved and put it out there. And here we are with our first studio. That's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to try it. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm a big, I love yoga. Awesome. But anything that can reduce cortisol, I'm all about yeah. that. Right? Yeah. I, <laughs> I think, everybody, that, I think right? everybody should oh, yeah. do that. Yeah. I mean, people come away and, and they're like, oh my gosh. I mean, we talk about mindfulness and, mm -hmm. and being present. We have people in our class. Uh, it can happen in yoga. It can even happen like with a deep tissue massage and things like meditation. But we're having people going, oh my gosh, um, it triggered something in me, mm. the vibe flow. 
to where I actually went to a place and I actually had a good cry on yeah, my mat. They like connected. A healthy, right, a healthy yeah. cry. I was actually present. I wasn't thinking about my kids. I wasn't thinking about work or about this or that. I was actually present because here's the cool thing about the vibration plates is that I had to come up with a way to mitigate or reduce the sound of the vibration plate because mm -hmm. it does emit a, a vibrating sound. Okay. And so we came up with this, I found this headset that you wear. I thought, oh man, are people gonna wear a headset? You know, the real hardcore traditional yogis are not gonna like it. And uh, what we discovered is that it added such a great benefit to the experience where people are like, are you kidding me? I love it. Yeah. Because you can still hear the vibration a little bit, but you hear the instructor's voice in the music. Mm -hmm. And we call it an audio immersion headset that takes you on a journey unlike anything else. Because now you're hearing the music and you're hearing the instructor's voice, it's already soothing. Yeah. And you're like, oh my goodness. And you can like shut it out, shut out everything right. else. Right, yeah. you can be present. I love it. My sister Nikki talks about like the end part of Shavasana after yoga. And she's like, I don't understand who's sitting there actually meditating. She's like, I'm thinking about what I'm going to buy for groceries yeah. and how, when I get home. So like shutting it off by having those on, mm -hmm. I think it's really important. True. Because yeah. whatever it is that you're holding on to or you can't eliminate for an hour mm -hmm. will be there when you get out. Right. Mm -hmm. Just right? put up on the shelf. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, this was so amazing. Um, a uh, question that I want to ask you, kind of we ask all the people we have on the show, um, you have a lot of wisdom, but what mm. do you know for sure? Yeah. Wow. That's a great question. Um, you know, I I listened to one of your podcasts and I, and, and I remember that question and I thought about it. Um, what do I know for sure is that... Um, I wasn't planning on sharing this, but okay. Okay. so when we all pass, right? Yeah. On your tombstone, you have two dates. You have the day you were born and the day that you pass. There's a dash that separates those two dates. Mm -hmm. I know for sure that that dash is going to be the sum total of my life. What does that dash say about you? What does that dash say about you? Mm -hmm. That's your story, mm -hmm. right? I know for sure. Mm -hmm. Call it a legacy, call it whatever. The theme of today's today's podcast is about relationships. Mm -hmm. Relationships means influence, mm -hmm. good or bad influence. That's all part of that dash. That's yeah. all part of that dash, mm -hmm. right? And so our thoughts, attitude, and actions are going to dictate what that dash says. So, and so I know for sure that that's gonna, that dash is my story. And it's going to be a good one mm. for sure. I Ooh. hope so. I figured, do you want to do it again or what do you think? Yeah, we could do a different one. I feel like yeah. I wanted to do it because so Jamie and I did it on the first episode. And I'm like, every time I show up at this podcast, I'm a different, a different person. Mm. It's a different one every day. <laughs> so, what you know for sure might change every day. It really does for me. I'll tell you yeah. that much. So, Jamie, what do you know for sure? Um, I think today, uh, what I know for sure is that um, life is easier than we make it out to be. Oh, isn't that the truth? Uh, I saw this quote by like a 90 year old woman, like on her deathbed. And she's like, it was so easy. That was like what she said, like her last, oh, her last wow. breath. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Cause um, I think that that's true. Like you think back to maybe a time in your life that you're like, oh, that was so hard. Or like, mm -hmm. that was like a really hard time. Um, in the moment you thought that, but you look back and you're like, it wasn't that bad, you know? Or like yes. I learned a lot or like I made it out to be something that it really wasn't. Yeah. And it's your perception of the situation anyway. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, that's so good to like go off of that, um, that you always have everything you need. Hmm. I think we look, I said earlier, like we look outside ourselves for self-development, whatever it is. Yeah. I love something. <laughs> I have an issue with self-development. I'm obsessed. So she's I trying to get last night. I said, I think you should take a four day break from self-development. Uh. <laughs> Never. See what happens. Yeah. You, you got to develop a process for that. Right? <laughs> Seriously. She's like, okay, so I'm going to wake but, up and okay. I'm not going to do self-development from 8 Stop. until 8 p.m. I'll give 8.15 to 8.30. Okay. You know what? No, but saying. I show up with intention no, and purpose and I get a lot of stuff done in a day like awesome. Billy does. Awesome. Um, so like a quote is um, that when you lift your head off the pillow in the morning, you have everything you need. And I love that because we really do. And we need to look within ourselves because we know the truth. You are enough. You are worthy. You are meant for greatness just as you are. So with that, thank you so much, Billy, for being thank here Thank you, today. Billy. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Morgan and Jamie, for having me. Appreciate it. I had fun. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, then head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review of this podcast. We sincerely appreciate your feedback. Stay tuned for another episode of the La Jolla Local Podcast, and thank you for listening.